This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NahumSegal.com, and the NahumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. If you go to Facebook right now, this conversation is on Facebook Live. Go to Facebook.com slash NahumSegal Network. Again, Facebook.com slash NahumSegal Network. And you'll be able to watch this entire conversation uh, as it happens live in our New York City studio. Obviously, that video will be available forever. Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, I can't even describe what type of honor it is uh, to welcome into our studio the chief executive of World Mizrahi, Rav Daron Peretz, who is here uh, visiting the United States. Rav Daron, shalom and welcome to JM in the AM. An honor and privilege to be with you in the this, in this studio. I haven't been to this this new one since you've been here, Lower East Side. Great to be with you, Nachum. I appreciate that. This is where it all happens. This tiny little room is where we speak to tens of thousands of people around the world on a daily basis. I am proud of that, uh, the same way you are proud of your incredible accomplishments that we will discuss with Mizrahi. Accompanying Rav Daron Peretz this morning is Yehuda Friedman, who is campaign manager for a very important campaign that we will call for the moment the Orthodox Israel Coalition, but believe me, uh, we will explain in detail what's going on and how everybody in this audience between the 21st of January, not yet, but six days from now, the 21st of January through the 11th of March, will have an opportunity to uh, to do something that will make a big difference, a big difference um, uh, for the American Orthodox Jewish community. And we'll explain all of that coming up. Yehuda Friedman, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Nice to have you here. Uh, yesterday, I had the priv- I mentioned this earlier during the show. Yesterday, I had the privilege of uh, of being the MC for the webinar that explained this whole election process for some amazing people. And I said that um, I said at that time uh, in introducing her of Daron Peretz that um, many people wondered uh, whether the uh, Mizrahi movement post the uh, creation of the state of Israel was really necessary. Uh, could be active, could be influential, could be inspiring. And I said that Rav Daron Peretz, and I'm reading from my notes, has answered that question. Uh, in his relatively short term so far, he's galvanized and energized global Mizrahi leadership and local and national chapters to the point that they finally or again are a force in local Jewish life. Mizrahi has a purpose, Mizrahi has a mission, and Mizrahi has a future. And then I spoke about the uh, upcoming election that can change the face and mission of the Jewish diaspora in a major way. And um, Rabbi Daron Peretz, uh, who we had the privilege, by the way, of speaking to uh, just a couple of weeks ago in his office in Jerusalem during our JMN broadcast from World Mizrahi, uh, you know there were, uh, there were people who were skeptical when you took this position about whether uh, an organization, a worldwide organization that in some areas was suffering from complete stagnation and in other areas were suffering from complacency, they wondered whether, in fact, an organization like that could be revived. Uh, Often we'll see when projects like this are going in that direction, people will literally start from the ground up and completely rebuild. But you had this vision that even with the current infrastructure around the world, it could be revived, and I think that's ex- that's exactly as I've said many times. I think that's exactly what you've done. And before we speak about the election, I think it's important to tell this audience that many chapters around the world affiliated with the Mizrahi World Movement are now much more active and much more engaged 
in Mizrahi activity and support for the state of Israel. Would you say that that's an accurate account? Well, thank God it's a work in uh, progress. Thank you for the very kind words. Um, you know, the, the, the regeneration really began from my own personal experience, you know, from my accent. I know not all Americans can readily identify whether it's an English, South African, Australian accent, but it's a South African accent. But I will say, having grown up in Johannesburg, South Africa, I made Aliyah when I was 18. I was part of the Hezder, learned in Yeshiva, studied in the Army University. My family made Aliyah my parents. And friends of mine invited me to come back 10 years after me coming to, to Yeshiva in Israel, saying, Doron, we need young Zionists, uh, infused rabbis to come back to South Africa. And I said, thanks, but no thanks, I've made Aliyah. They twisted my arm and I said, I'll come for two years. And those two years became 15 years, returning to Israel five years ago. And Nachum, what I, saw, what I saw in that time was the following. I saw that with committed people in a community where Mizrahi once had been a powerhouse, which founded the first and largest Torah school in South Africa, Yeshiva College, where I had the privilege of studying, and many such institutions around the world. I had seen what happened to a movement which had become a little less relevant and how quickly relevant it could become because of the need for it in the community. We all know what happened to Mizrahi all over the world. Our greatest success became our greatest failure. And in life in general, I think often our greatest strengths can often be our greatest weaknesses. We had one critical success factor after 1948, as we know, and that was Aliyah to Israel and make a difference. And boy, oh boy, have hundreds of thousands from the broad Mizrahi world come to Israel and made, and made a difference in every possible way. But I think in that process, Nachum, we forgot that there are many Jews still living in the diaspora. And our message as Mizrahi cannot only be everybody must make Aliyah, which is very important. And I believe in it wholeheartedly with every five in my being. Mm-hmm. And I've done it twice. What are we <laughs> doing? What are we doing for Jews around the world who seek a Kesher to Torah? a strong Jewish identity, and Eretz Yisrael, a deep appreciation and commitment to the state of Israel. And that's what we committed to at Mizrahi. And I've seen that in communities around the world, community after community, I see people saying, where have you been? There's either movement to the left to less affiliated to community or more to the right. But so many people crave a strong Kesha to Torah and Eretz Yisrael, Jewish and Zionist identity a modern Orthodox religious Zionist flavor of Yiddishkeit, and that's what they're looking for. And I've seen in community after community, thank God, there's a huge um, a huge uh, need for it and a huge thirst for it. And I think for me the big thing is, uh, and it's a line that I live by and I believe in so much, and I may, I may have said it on air here before, I think for the first 70 years of Israel, the state of Israel was the project of the Jewish people. Mm-hmm. For the next 70 years, the Jewish people need to be the project of the state of Israel. And in those first 70 years, that's all we did. We built the state of and thank God we have a state of Israel, and thank God it is incredibly successful and we need lots of Seattle Shema, but it's an unbelievable place. But there's still 55% of world, world Jewry live around the world. And we have to be relevant. There has to be a sense of Kimitzion Tetzay Torah that us in Israel feel a sense of not only of Musar, make Aliyah, those of you living in the diaspora, but rather what can we do to serve? How can we make a difference? How can we bring and work together to bring a so- strong sense of deep commitment to Torah, to Jewish identity, and to Eretz Yisrael, to Zionist identity. Before we talk about mm-hmm. the election, which is in many ways part of the answer to the questions that you're that you're asking, uh, there are a couple of things we need to point out. First of all, you are in right now a historic neighborhood. The very first Mizrahi chapter in the United States of America was half a mile from here. In fact, I, I debated with my, not debated, I mean, I mentioned on the air earlier this morning whether it would be a good idea to actually bring you over there just to see. It would be nice to have a selfie with the, <laughs> with the first Mizrahi building where I still daven here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. And we have, by the way, a tongue-in-cheek remark 
that we always say that uh, the reason membership of this Mizrahi is so small is either people have passed away or made Aliyah. So again, Israel is one of the main yeah. factors. Why we have a, a small minion. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> to your point earlier on. The second thing I have to say is that um, it's, it's interesting, and I think that the leaders of the different chapters around this country, and I'm sure around the world as well, but I could speak for America, um, I, I'm sure they have felt this resurgence. I'm sure they have felt this, you know, what I have felt uh, as I lead the JMM chapter of Mizrahi. I'm sure they have felt the same thing, this, this rejuvenation, so to speak. And one of the main reasons, in all seriousness, and we've spoken about this countless times on the air, is, is what I'm holding up right now for those who are watching on Facebook Live. And that is the Mizrahi magazine that your office essentially publishes and distributes to all the English-speaking uh, language, uh, English language speaking uh, countries around the world. And and it, it is a magazine. It is you know something with articles from prominent people on in, on interesting themes having to do generally with Israel, uh, all usually associated with the holiday around which they come out. Why is it? Can you analyze why this publication, a simple magazine, has had? such an impact in this resurgence in chapters around the world? Well, I think it's very simple. You know, if you go to shuls in Israel, you'll find almost in every shul in the broader Datilumi world, there are tens and tens of these, what they call Alonai Parashat Shavuot, with writings from across the, the depth of the Torah world in Israel. Right. When I would travel around the world, I, I really wouldn't see it in most communities. So I thought if we want to be involved in re-energizing a movement, there should be a mouthpiece for the movement. In fact, I found that in the original, when Mizrahi was founded, they had something called Hamizrahi. And something called Mimizrach or Hamizrach. Right. So I realized that Rabbi Nissenboim, one of the leaders of Polish Mizrahi, around 100 years ago founded Hamizrahi, which was sent throughout Poland. And that was a way of bringing Dvar Hamizrahi, the word of the leaders, and all the sugyas of the day. So we thought we have such a deep world in Israel and around the world. Let's bring our best rabbis uh, and rabbiniot and and best writers to uh, you know to, to one place, which would mean that we and of course articles about divrei Torah and articles about Israel. That whatever shul you walked into anywhere in the world, which felt a connection to Torah and Israel, that you could you could find this. And thank God, in the last year, year and a half, around a thousand communities around the world have this. It's in fact not only in English; it's now in Spanish as well. Wow! We did a, one in Spanish. We did it for Rosh Hashanah, and we're doing another one coming up in uh, Uruguay, Argentina, and. Mexico, but the idea is you can see there's 12 flags in the front mm -hmm. that it should be that whatever shul you go into in any we started with the Chagim It's also the Mana Chagim, Tu Bishvat, Tu Bishvat is coming up. There aren't too many uh, publications about Tu Bishvat. It's the Chag as we know of Israel, so deeply connected to Israel. So we thought major and minor festivals around once a month, let's do something 48 to 64 pages, full color, beautifully produced and also giving a platform to our local chapters. The one in that you're holding is the U.S. edition. Right. There's editions in Canada, South Africa, Australia, etc., etc., a number of European countries, that each chapter can have its mouthpiece, that it's part of something bigger than itself, but it can present something to its uh, constituents. And thank God it's just the beginning. There's been a wonderful response to it. We're uh, at the point of what, eight, nine issues a year, less than that? About ten issues, ten a, issues year. a year. Ten issues a year. And I would assume, the way you're speaking, mm -hmm. eventually your goal is 52 issues a year. You want, You would love to see... A publication be distributed on a weekly basis, and that might actually happen one day. Yeah, yeah. You're a dreamer, a dreamer yet who is a realist, and you put the two of them together, and projects like this. I think the aim for me, Nachum, just with this is before we think of beyond once a month, it's a huge sort of undertaking, sure. is to get it far and wide. Right. We just had a community in Germany which said to us that there are 27 communities in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria that would love to see something like this. A lady who lives in Beit Shemesh part of the year, she saw this and she came to office and said, I want to bring this to those communities around the world. And it's sort of happening, that's how it's from, from you know, the ground up. So we want to do it slowly. I believe in revolutionary, through an evolutionary way, because I think 
revolutions which are too quick destroy. So you've got to want to be revolutionary, but in evolutionary way. Things have got to come in their time. And thank God, I think if you start good things in the world and they, their time has come, they take root. And sometimes you start them, they don't take root because the time hasn't come. There's a lot of siyata de shmaya. So I think you've got to shlach lach macha. You've got to go out and do what you believe in. And if the time for them has come, they take root in the siyata de shmaya. Well, it's one of the benefits of, of having Hamizrahi. The benefit is that uh, you discovered how many people are thirsting for this. And it is, for me, it's been exhilarating uh, watching those who are thirsting for it contact you and your people. Because I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if people actually were thirsting for this anymore we have a uh, you know many segments of the community especially here in the u.s as you know uh where israel is not a major priority it's way down on the list to see people around the world treat this as a real priority is pretty amazing um anyway so that's the story the story is that uh, everybody out there has an opportunity um no matter what community you're in to uh, be in touch with uh, with the mizrahi movement and bring a publication like hamizrahi uh, to, your, to your community. By the way, I'm curious, do the Anglo communities of Israel get this or it's not distributed anywhere in Israel? It is distributed to the Anglo communities. There are about 12,000 copies which go out to 250 communities and it's also had an amazing uh, One impact. may ask, <laughs> why would they need this? But yet they do. Yet they, so the, we did it for communities in the diaspora. We thought, right. Once we're doing it in English, we may as well do an English-speaking edition and there's been an unbelievable response. As you know, the Dafyomi program sure. that we had recently was very much publicized through this. So there's now a mouthpiece to all of these communities around the world and around Israel, and there's a huge need for that as well. And I often hear from people in Israel, they say, Rabbi Perez, don't forget that also us in Israel, even though we live here, we also need an injection of Zionism. Yep. And all, so don't forget about those who are here as well. We also need it and also need to see this array of speakers in one publication, at least of writers. And as you know, there's writers, Rabbi Shechta and Rabbi Sachs. It's not only people who live in Israel. We call it Torah to Eretz Israel, right. Torah from Israel. But of course, the leading thinkers and writers from all over the world as part of a global religious honest community appear there as well. International icons, and I'm not exaggerating. That's where they are. Of their own parrots is here as we talk about the uh, uh, Mizrahi. And, um, you know, you're, it's funny, we'll now drift into the conversation about the election. We'll bring you Huda Friedman into the conversation. We're on Facebook Live, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. Um, you're, it's, you look at this, what we just discussed, and you look at the upcoming election, and folks, we will explain what's going on. Um, not uh, as projects in and of themselves, but steps to an eventual goal toward a five- or ten-year vision that you have, and now your staff shares with you as you share it with them. Um, and, and, and that, I think, going into this conversation is really important for our listeners to know. You're not just being asked to participate with your seven or seven and a half dollars, whatever the cost is, between now and and the middle of March, it's not just Shushan Purim. In fact, is when it ends. Mm-hmm. You're not just being. You're not just asked to do this for the for the immediate benefits of whatever segment of the communities will benefit from these elections. You view it as participating in step one of what eventually will become a tremendous reality for the Mizrahi movement. Could you expound on that for a moment? Yeah, sure. I think, you know, it's also the name of our coalition in uh, in the United States. Each country around the world is different, but of course what the United States has, being such a large community, and also has got incredibly deep and broad institutions which are very much aligned with the values of Mizrahi. Obviously our local branch here, the RZA Mizrahi, which is our national right. movement here, Yeshiva University, the Orthodox Union, Amit, B'nai Akiva, Young Israel, RCA, Torah College, Torah Mitzion. These are all organizations, And you pointed out, I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah. but you mm. pointed out something so important mm. that I think listeners in the United States need to hear. You said this yesterday. Mm. P- 
people don't people who are listening right now don't realize the mm-hmm. benefit that we have of having all these organizations within our midst because if they if they would travel to other Jewish communities there are no organizations like this who are either uh, defending our values or fighting our battles. Absolutely. There's so many countries around the world where the Jewish community doesn't have the strong center. And the, these centrist, you know, whatever centrist mm-hmm. means, but these institutions deeply connected to the modern world, deeply connected to the ancient values of the Torah, and trying to hold the community together, play a role across the community, is an unbelievable thing that, that you have in the United States. In many places around the world, Mizrahi fulfills that. Right. Here, we're really what Mizrahi's role is to facilitate and bring to, and really galvanize the unbelievable forces that there are to create and galvan- an Orthodox Israel Union. Those committed to Torah and Eretz Israel to bring us all together where the, where the sum total is bigger than the individual parts. That's really the aim. And everybody you mentioned is part of the team. Everyone here is part of the team. All of these institutions are committed to this. Their leadership is committed to it. It's been unbelievable. We did our webinar, as you know, yesterday from uh, Rabbi Josh Joseph's office at YU, the vice president. We have uh, the OU has been unbelievably invested. Yuda Friedman works with the OU and for the OU and has been uh, very gracious. He's been drafted by He's you. He's been huh? drafted by and I have to thank Moish Bain and Alan Fagan. <laughs> For Yehuda and, and so many others who've been involved, it's really unbelievable. And really, that's what it's about. It's galvanizing a community. And I want to say also, it's not just these institutions. We have a list of not only Slate members, we call them ambassadors, right. which we've built of close to a 1,000 people of re- rabbis, lay leaders, young and old from from across the Ashkenazi, Sephardi, and all the different types of communities. They are meaning representative of the broad community in the United States of America coming together for one purpose, and that is to make sure that the Torah and Eretz Israel, the Orthodox Israel voice is heard in the most powerful way in Israel's institutions, and all that is at stake, which of course we'll get to. All right. Now the question is, is there a simple way, is there a simple (laughs) short way to uh, alert people as to what this election is about before we even tell them Mm -hmm. what the call to action is and what we would like them to do? in terms of voting between the 21st of January and the 11th of March? Is there a a couple of sentences that will sum up what this election is and why it's so important? Okay, so I think as follows. In Israel, there's an election every four years or four times a year sometimes. (laughs) In every four years, Israeli civilians, civilians, Jewish and non-Jewish, can come together every four years, like in every country, and decide what the future of their country will look like and what positions of influence people that they vote for will have. Right. The exact same thing is this, and it's, I'd say it's one of the most important elections around the world, world which isn't so well known. I'd say it's the, it's the most important unknown election, I would say, where every single Jew is in the, in the only worldwide democratic election that every five years in what's called Israel's national institutions, which we'll speak about, the founding institutions of Israel, which together still today right. have close to a $1 billion a year budget. So over five years, we're talking about close to $5 billion in positions of major influence for Jewish identity and destiny. Jews around the world, through their local Zionist federations, which in, in America is called the American Zionist Movement, the AZM, have membership like all the federations around the world have. And every five years, any Jew who is part of one of these movements can go online every five years and vote and decide playing a role in what will happen to in the future of Jewish destiny in Israel and around the world, major positions of influence, which we'll speak about, and $5 billion. That is quite something. And uh, the fact that it's actually there's this disconnect over the years, I believe, is also part of the whole Mizrahi story. That right that the diaspora communities have become a little bit disconnected from what's going on in Israel in many ways. And this election is, I think, a litmus test to get involved, that we can make it, Israel makes a difference in our lives. 
we can make a difference in Israel and the Jewish people. You just lives. set a record <laughs> that you were able to sum that up in the amount of time that you did. It's an absolute record, and I hope people will take our word for it that this is, in fact, a vital election and one that they must get involved with. Now, I'll split this into two. Uh, the first is, you mentioned the amount of money. Frankly, the more influence from the Mizrahi community, the more influence from the Orthodox Israel coalition that there is in this World Jewish Congress, let's call it for a moment, the more influence, the the more they will have to serve the needs of our community. The best example, which you always give, is that of a certain amount of money has traditionally been allocated for students to go to Israel for a year. We have seen that amount of money decrease as our influence increases. One would have to suspect that that amount would increase as well. That's Absolutely. one good example. One simple, tangible example is exactly that, the Masa subsidies, which thousands of American families every year benefit from, could benefit so much more. As you correctly said, it started in the thousands of dollars when right. they initiated this, came down to 1,000, then to five, today 200. And that's for one reason, Nachum, and one reason alone, that the people sitting in these committees, which we are not represented in enough because our share of the of the uh, the leadership isn't where it should be, and I believe can and will change in these elections. Right. So when they're deciding, what do we do with the 22 million shekels per annum, which is designated to bring people to Israel on gap year programs? They say, well, the Orthodox, who by the way are 50 over 50 percent of all kids who come in gap year, are come through the Orthodox, which is unbelievable, right. are not prioritized enough. And if we sit around that table and say. We are represented here. This is the most important engine of our success as, as Torah and Israel-focused Jews to bring people to study Yeshiva in Yeshiva and become part of the whole state of Israel and learn and grow, which is the future leadership, I think, also of our communities around the world. Nothing is more important than that. We certainly are not getting our share, and that's one small tangible example that can make a major difference in people's lives. In the broader uh, outlook, hey, the more influence, the more votes, the more representation, the more our values, whether it's Orthodox, Israel, or the combination, mm. the more our values in the next five years and beyond will be represented. And you can speak um, from your experience that there's a lot, there are a lot, even though you know to the average person they may not realize it, there are a lot of situations where that influence can be very influential. Absolutely. I'll give you, I'll give you one other larger sure. example. The JNF today, 100% of the governance of the JNF is decided by these elections. The World Zionist Congress elections. JNF Israel. Yeah, JNF Israel, yeah. of course. JNF Israel, known as Kakal, Karen Kemet Israel, which owns 80% of the land in Israel north of Beersheba. It's a major, major founding organization of Israel, which still has all of this power. The governing body of the JNF deciding what it'll do with its $350 million budget a year is decided in these elections. Simple question is, Will there be developing Israel by the JNF only within the Green Line? How about in Hashmonaim? How about Gush Etzion? How about Efrat? How about East Jerusalem? How about so many areas today where are so much part of everything Israel is about and in any eventuality will remain part of the state of Israel? That question will be dictated by these elections because will, will we be committed to settle all over Israel and, and even in parts which are the vast, vast majority of Jews would agree is, you know, beyond the pale of any, uh, you know, so if, that'll be decided in this election. So if greater Israel or Eretz Israel Hashlema is important to you, make sure to vote. And we recommend make sure to vote on slate number four, OIC, the Orthodox Israel Coalition. It is a uh, Wednesday morning broadcast here at JM and the AM. Boy, oh boy, the clock is moving. This is what happens when a guest like Rav Jerome Peretz is here. I could speak with him all day, but we only have until... 9 a.m. Eastern Time. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. You can watch this entire interview as it's happening, facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. 
And uh, Yehuda Friedman is here. You introduced Yehuda Friedman to us as campaign manager for this OIC campaign. Yehuda, good morning to you. Howard, good morning. Uh, so does the Jewish community of the United States, especially those uh, uh, who um, who uh, label themselves as Orthodox and as Zionists. Do they have the potential to increase tremendously the number of votes that the OIC gets? Last time around, how many votes did we get? Was it 9,000? What was 9, it 9,500. 9,500. Yeah. Rav Daron has said, if I'm not mistaken, that we could, it could in theory, because you're such a positive person, Get to twenty or thirty thousand, and maybe even more. You're still sticking with that, right? One hundred percent. Yehuda, you think it's possible? One thousand <laughs> percent. How do we do it? What's the strategy <laughs> to get this campaign to numbers like that? Well, think about it like this: there's potential for about a quarter of a million uh, people to vote. Uh, you're talking about Orthodox families from across uh, as you across the United States. Right. So one is having as you great uh, as you great voices, you know, as you like you know, come to you know, to, help, you know, to actually help us get the word out. Um, and also as uh, as uh, as uh, as Rob Duran was saying, we have at this point close to a thousand ambassadors on the ground, right. uh, spread across North America to help us. Um, you know, to help us get the word out. So. And, and just that infrastructure really wasn't in place five years ago, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Just, just that itself. Was Correct. Different, right? And and also you've, uh, I mean, it's, it's been, uh, to anybody who's been uh, paying any attention to this uh, upcoming election, you are reaching out to communities who essentially were ignored earlier. There are segments of our communities, which I don't have to enumerate in this forum, but, you know, uh, really didn't know about this vote at all. And if they weren't from the streamlined modern Orthodox community, modern Orthodox Ashkenazi community, chances were they didn't even know about it five years ago, right? Yeah, uh, there's uh, there's many Jews outside of New York, right? Uh, um, and, and outside of Ashkenazim, yeah, as a, yeah, and and really, and you mentioned the entire you know country, but there's also a spectrum of Orthodoxy. There are many people that we say on the very very right or or you know left wing Orthodox, we even call they all could participate in this if they have the same values as OIC does. The Orthodox Israel Coalition is actually the greatest and biggest tent right. for for uh, you know, for Jews. So so it doesn't matter about political spectrum uh, uh, spectrums. You know we're all in this together. Um, be it the you know be it, if you're Sephardi, you know if you're if you're Mashadi, if you're Persian, if you're if you're Bukharian, everyone identifies as Orthodox, and everyone will go to an Orthodox shul. Right. So 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 you know it's the opportunities that we're actually reaching out to them, meeting with them, and having substantive conversations. They're excited about this effort, um, and they want to get involved. So uh, you know, so the opportunities to uh, you know to really change the election is uh, is, uh, is certainly there. Now we have uh, over the last few minutes, uh, I'm sure, motivated many people to participate. The problem is that this vote doesn't start until January the 21st. As so somebody who's right now gung ho, rah rah, ready to go to their computer and follow the advice of Nahum Siegel and his guests, uh, they can't do it till the 21st of January. So we recommend, just like we have alarms and uh, and notifications that we set on our phones we recommend uh, set midnight on the 21st <laughs> of january on your phone because starting that day you will be able to vote anybody correct me if i'm wrong on any of this anybody over 18 can vote correct even well, multiple family members correct correct but okay. uh, but uh, actually if you're 17 now but if you're turning 18 by june of 2020 you can vote oh that's also important okay June 2020, if you're 18 by then, you could vote? June 30th. If you if you turn, turn 18 by June 30th, 2020, you can vote. Okay, that's a very important piece of information. I know there's some restriction in terms of the voting fee of $7.50 that, that only a certain number can be put on a credit card, so families should be careful to do that properly when they get online eventually, and obviously as we get closer, I'll discuss that more. 
Uh, is there anything else people need to know? Like as long as they are, <laughs> as long as they are Jewish, as long as they are eighteen and over, with the date you just uh, mentioned, um, and as long as they're ready to take seven and a half dollars and invest in the future of the uh, state of Israel and uh, world Mizrahi, I-, I guess that's it, right? Is there well, any other requirement? Uh, well, actually, if you're um, if you're between eighteen and twenty-five, the right. cost is only five dollars. Even and better. I, and and, uh, and rather, it's not a cost; it's an investment. Right. 100%. So so you know, so we saw from the last election. Uh, um, each vote essentially wielded six hundred and twenty-five dollars in return, right? And, and and that's impactful. So for people to understand, you know, dollar for dollar, you know, when they vote, they potentially can, you know, can get not personally to their pocket, but rather the investment back to, you know, back to these incredible organizations is six hundred twenty-five dollars or even more. Right. Uh, that's a uh, that's that's a uh, it's powerful. Let me point everybody to the website mizrahi.org/oic. I don't know if there's a better address or not, but that would be one place where people can get all this information and see what they need to do starting the twenty-first of January. Mizrahi.org/oic. And again, we will give explicit instructions once the vote starts. Um, we we should point out a couple of things. Number one, really everybody today, because of WhatsApp and social media can be an ambassador. So if someone's listening right now, not only can they vote and their family vote to make an impact, they probably have 200 people in their circle that they could directly impact to go ahead, press on this link, and vote. And that's important for these days to remember. Yeah, I think the reason that I think there's going to be huge voter turnout relative to what there was 56,000 five years ago in general is a number of things have changed. Firstly, technology, the fact right. that there are all these WhatsApp groups, also that then you had to vote on a laptop or a computer. Right. Today it can be done through one smartphones, which right. means just sending out WhatsApps to all of our groups and focus messages. As you correctly said, all of us have hundreds of people that right. we can influence if we want to. Mm-hmm. And therefore I think that's also a game changer. And also I found, Nochen, there's a huge uh, there's a huge interest in this election this time around. Last time around, there were barely 10 slates, less than that. This time, there's huge uh, across the board. I don't know if I'd mentioned to you that I was absolutely gobsmacked that people such as Peter Baynard and Jeremy Benami from J Street, which are people that you wouldn't have thought would want to be involved in the World Zionist Organization. When I read the article, I couldn't actually believe here is pe- people from the, you know, the, the radical progressive left wanting to bring a post-Zionist discussion to the Zionist movement, yeah. meaning get involved in the future of the Zionist movement and bring a post-Zionist discussion, that to me is frightening, but invigorating. It's invigorating because Jews want to get involved, and that is a rally <laughs> you're, call. You're inspired by this. <laughs> I'm inspired. When, when the enemy wakes up, you're inspired. <laughs> I'm inspired because when other people wake up, we all need to wake up, and we need to get involved. By the mm-hmm. way, by the way, to that point, because often when you're in your own arena, you always think things are larger than mm-hmm. they actually are. Mm-hmm. To your point, there are 14 slates. If someone goes to uh, azm.org slash elections, they could see it. And if you simply look at the explanation or the um, uh, tagline for each one of these slates, for each one of these parties, so to speak, for instance, Orthodox Israel Coalition is Mizrahi Vote Torah. That basically gives you a good summation of what we're all about. But look at some of the others, mm. and you will see just based on the description what type of battle this is mm. and what they're after mm. and what they're looking for. And you just said that there were over just over 50,000 votes last time around. Could there be a total of 100,000 this time around? If I had to, uh, you know, nobody wants to uh, right. involve in themselves in guessing and conjecture, I would say well over 100,000. That's what I would say. This is a completely different election. I, I believe that it is. I, again, I may be proved yeah. wrong, but just from feeling what's going on, Bashetach, as they say in the area, there's an interest in this. People who otherwise would not have been interested are interested, and I think that is wonderful because competition is, an, is, a, is a motivator, right. and it means we can't be complacent. When everybody's interested, we should all be interested. 
interested, and I think this is an unbelievable time for the people who Torah and the state of Israel are important to. And the Orthodox Israel Coalition is that movement of the broad-based institutions across the United States, the mainstream, modern Orthodox religious Zionism, all of those who say Torah and the state of Israel and Medinat Israel are important to us to come together and make that voice heard in the most profound way within Israel and in communities around the world. It is, it is as simple as that, one person at a time, one vote at a time, and I have no doubt that the more people who take responsibility for this, they can bring hundreds and hundreds of people, every individual, to be, to, to be mobilized and to make a difference in the future of the Jewish people. Are the rabbis of the largest Orthodox synagogues in the United States as motivated as you are when it comes to this? Well, you know, it's hard to judge other people's motivations. I know how motivated I am, but I know the tens and, and well over 100 rabbis who are involved and community leaders are super motivated about this. We're in regular contact with them. They're all going to be sending communications to their WhatsApp groups, to their, uh, you know, the email lists, and there's there's a huge amount of motivation. Because and a rabbi with three, 400 member families likely has, you know, two, three, four, who knows how many who are over 18. 100%. You multiply that, you're talking about a big block coming out of one community. 100%. In fact, you you think of that and you wonder how there were only 9,000 last time. Yeah. That you know, It's really amazing. As I mentioned last time, there wasn't really right. WhatsApp groups and you didn't couldn't do it via your cell phone. Right. The world has changed, and I think uh, on all levels, both in terms of motivation and interest and in terms of technology, I think there's an unbelievable opportunity to make a difference. Uh, I would assume that all the groups that are part of it, and you mentioned them earlier, uh, a lot of organizations very familiar to this audience are all going to be doing what you're doing they're all going to be reminding their constituents they're all going to be taking an active role in making sure everybody votes and uh, for places like yeshiva university in turo they could affect a lot of 17 and 18 year 17 i say because of the regulation 17 and 18 year old students and above who have the right to vote and that number can be in the thousands like that so absolutely there's so many avenues to really get big blocks of votes absolutely it's amazing when you think about it yeah. Um, all right, everybody out there, the Orthodox Israel Coalition, it's slate number four. Trust me, when I get back, which will be a week from today, uh, I will start reminding you about the actual... Oh, in fact, when I get back a week from today, it'll be the uh, second day you're eligible to vote. So we'll vote together. We will all go <laughs> online, and we will vote together, and we will uh, press the uh, lever, so to speak, for Mizrahi uh, OIC, the Orthodox Israel Coalition, and uh, hopefully by then thousands and thousands will take the opportunity to vote early. We're not uh, encouraging the vote often. We want this to be on the up and up. But we are encouraging vote early. And uh, make sure you get to your uh, responsibility. Zrizim um, Makdimin, uh, as they say. Uh, ASAP. And then we, we could spend the rest of the time between then, between when I get back on Wednesday and March 11th, uh, reminding everybody on a consistent basis, you and I together, uh, on a consistent basis why it's important to vote and why it's so critical to reach out to as many people as possible uh, to vote for the uh, OIC slate, which is, again, slate number four in the election. And uh, hopefully this will be a big success. And uh, as Rav Daron says, when this election ends, on March 11th, when the results are in, for you, this is not a uh, an ending. For you, that is the very, very beginning of this uh, mission and dream. Absolutely. I just want to share you know, one other insight. Sure. You know. Every five years, the World Zionist Congress gets together and the delegates who voted in can, you know, play a role, as we know. But in the back of that, we're also doing a, a Mizrahi Global Summit where we're bringing together all of our members of the Orthodox Israel Coalition in the United States and all the ambassadors who would like to come. And indeed, our leadership, rabbinic lay leadership and board members and, and, and influencers from all the communities around the world where we are reinvigorating Mizrahi. And we're coming together for a Mizrahi Global Summit, and I hope you'll be there, Nacho. Hashem. And Parashat Noach. The, at the back of this uh, Congress to 
face the opportunities and challenges together. We all face such similar opportunities. There are huge challenges and opportunities for us. And if we come together and bring, our, bring, bring this Orthodox Israel-focused world together, I believe we can together um, find un incredible ways forward. And that's also going to be taking place in Israel. So this for me is the beginning of galvanizing people for an election, which is really the launching pad to keep people engaged and involved in the twin values that I keep saying, which so many people are trying to separate between Jewish identity and Israel identity. So many, some focus on one and the other, and many try to separate, and many, many oppose both. To bring that together is, I think, one of the calls of the hour for the Jewish people, and this is just the beginning. I agree with you. Now, uh, since it's a rare opportunity that I have you here, you're, you're a busy man. You're somebody who doesn't normally have time to stop by a studio like this, and I'm going to take advantage of the fact you're here and the fact that we're being seen at facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network. There are two things I have to share with you. One I've shared with you a million times, but you're going to have to suffer through it again. But the other one first, this is what sits in front of me every day. And you'll help me explain it to the audience. This is what sits in front of me every single day. You know what it is? Does yeah, it look familiar? Of course. Herzl on the, uh, in Basel dreaming about uh, the World Zionist Organization. Well, one, was of, one of the iconic scenes, and of course it's not just a photo in this case, it's an actual model. Mm -hmm. Of him on the balcony, and I can't believe I forgot the name of the hotel. Yoni, do you remember? I can't believe I forgot the name of the hotel in Switzerland. Uh, look it up quick. <laughs> this is something I should have on my fingertips. Here it is. It's the Three Kings Hotel. The Three Kings Hotel in Basel, Switzerland, where, by the way, they have a Herzl suite, and you could actually, I know somebody who did this for his 50th birthday. He took his entire family. Wow. You could actually spend time there on the same balcony where he overlooked, was it the Danube? I think it was the Danube. We overlooked the river and had this dream. Anyway. Imagine this is happening in the late 1800s. Am I right about that? 1901, 1901, the 5th Zionist Congress. This is where this happened. The 5th Zionist Congress, 1901. Imagine how many years later the dream finally came true. And in this era of we need everything now, right? Uh, Sivan Rachav Meir called us an Amazon Prime society <laughs> where I want it and I get it and it's in my house an hour later, right? That's right. And everyone wants peace now and Mashiach now and all the nows that everybody wants. It takes years sometimes. It takes years, a long time for these, these visions and realities to become reality. And that's why when you, when you tell us about this, you know, the thinking that you're doing about five, ten years from now, sometimes we need to be patient and go la'at la'at step by step in order to get there. So that's one reminder. This sits in front of me every single day. The second thing is something that I've said to you many, many times, and I'm going to say it again because it's such a, a cool thing for me and my family. And that is that my father was the youngest delegate to the last pre-state Zionist Congress at the age of 29 in 1946 in Basel. And I say to myself, even then, it took two years for them who felt they were on the cusp of finally politically having the privilege of being at the founding of the state of Israel. Mm -hmm. And it still took two years after that for everything to materialize, or at least a year and a half, depending on how you, mm -hmm. you view the vote in the UN, et cetera. And... And again, it takes time, and it takes vision, and it takes patience. Mm -hmm. But with that time, vision, and patience, we'll hopefully have some very positive results. Please, God, you know, we say in Shira Malot 126, that we say on Shabbos and Yontif before we bench, we can't begin to imagine the return to Zion without to being like dreamers. Can only be in a dream that after 2,000 years we've returned the way that we've had, and it has actually exceeded the dreams of all of the dreamers. I don't know if you're aware, Nachum, but Herzl, in his wildest dreams, never believed 
that you could reinvigorate the Hebrew language. Right. He said you need to talk German. He right. said it's it's almost impossible to bring all the Jews back. You now want them to speak a language which hasn't been spoken for 2,000 years? Impossible. He said we don't have the lexicon. We don't have the words for a modern-day language. He, there's 6,000 words in Tanakh, basically, a shorashim. He said, I know in modern, he, modern language needs 17,000 to make it a spoken language. How, how are you going to make this a spoken language again? But there were other dreamers, Ben Yehuda and others. And there were others who dreamed about bringing not only the language and the people back, how about the land? In fact, in Tubishvat, we're going to speak about Mark Twain and Laudermilk and many people who came to the land before the modern settlements and said there's no way this land... I'm going to quote who I often quote a book I came across a number of years ago by Walter Clay Laudermilk, an unbelievable individual who really hasn't got his Jews from the Jewish people yet, even though there is a department in the Technion named after him. Wow. A Gentile man who came in 1939. He said, I see what these people from Europe are doing, these people who have no background in agriculture. He said, I'm a soil conservationist expert. I have not seen this anywhere in the world. How the land, not only the people have returned to the land, but the land has come alive for the people. There are miracles within miracles. There are dreams within dreams within dreams. And we are, as we know, as what a Ben-Gurion say, we all know one of the oft-quoted things. In order to be a Jewish realist, you have to be a dreamer. It's as simple as that. That's the reality over here. You have to believe in miracles. That's the story of the Jewish people. And we're part of a people whose DNA is to go against impossible odds, to dream big, and to make big things happen. And what an um, what amazing vi- uh, uh, image you have there to see Herzl, who could not have imagined in 1901 where we would be today. And please, God, may we all go together from strength to strength. I, I, I crave to be, to be around when there is, again, a strong Mizrahi movement, as you described it, taking care of the Jews of the diaspora where the state of Israel again becomes a real, or continues to, but in a much stronger sense, continues to be a real inspiration to all Jews of all backgrounds, like we saw in 1948, like we saw in 1967. One of the greatest moments, I'm taking advantage of the fact that you're here, I'm sorry. (laughs) One of the greatest moments of my career, and I've done a lot in three and a half decades, one of the greatest moments of my career, and I've mentioned this more than once on this show, was when I had the opportunity, because of you, to be the master of ceremonies, um, not specifically at the concert that night, which was, which was incredible, but the next day at that symposium where you gave me the privilege of introducing an incredible lineup of people that included Natan Sharansky and the three soldiers in the iconic picture in 1967 at the Western Wall. And I have heard Sharansky and spoken with him as he had described... What that war and its victory meant for the Soviet refuseniks. And all I could think of as I'm watching Sharansky look at, imagine Sharansky, the giant, looking at them as if he's, he cannot believe he's standing in their presence. Because likely what happened was when he saw that picture of them when he was in the Soviet Union, it just invigorated him in terms of the dreaming about the Holy Land and eventually getting to Israel. And I can only imagine what those three soldiers for 50 years mm-hmm. meant to him. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the most amazing moments ever. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I thank you for that. It was, it was simply incredible. And I, I just, whatever I could do to help and participate in all of these initiatives that bring more spirit and inspiration of the land and state of Israel to worldwide jury, I am there. So maybe my parting comment to you will be like this. Um, being a Jew is, as I say, it's an unbelievable privilege to be part of a dream. And uh, you have Herschel in front of you that you see every day. This is the opportunity we have right now is to dream big and to invigorate, to be part of the Jewish people, is to be dreamers, to be transformers. And we, you know, I, I often quote, I think I quoted in the webinar yesterday, 
that uh, you know Margaret Mead, one of America's famous anthropologists, said that people say that a few people can't change the world. She says, indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And for me, Jewish history is a simple example of a tiny, inconsequential people from a numbers point of view, making the biggest impact in the world far beyond their numbers. That's what it means to be to be part of the Jewish world. And each one of us needs to take every vote counts, every person's contribution counts, and we need to come together, each and every one of us, and to do something big. And our final comment to you is this, is that when Herzl dreamed then, he was a secular individual who actually baptized his son, Hans, and in fact the chief rabbi of Vienna came to see him and said he couldn't support this movement because he noticed that in Herzl's home was a, a Christmas tree, right. and he couldn't reconcile that a person who was assimilating yesterday as a result of anti-Semitism became a Zionist tomorrow. And many people couldn't see that long-term vision. They saw Herzl in that moment with, shrouded in so much controversy and said, if you look at this individual, what can possibly come out of this? Because there's so much complexity. Look what has come out of this, out of the complexity. And Mizrahi, at that in 1901, Mizrahi was founded the following year, in 1902, and the, and the religious leaders, many of them who uh, took controversial stands, they said, yes, Herzl is a controversial figure. He's not quite what we would have envisaged, envisaged as the prophet of the modern era, looking the way that he does and the lifestyle that he has. But he said he's dreaming and part of a vision fulfilling prophecies, and we need to be part of this. And I don't know how well known it is to people that when the Mizrahi was founded in 1902 and joined the movement as a, as a movement, they called it Mizrahi, not only because of Mizrah, but because it stood for the words Merkaz Ruhani, a spiritual center. Something big is taking place. Now, we've got two options. We can stand on the outside and complain that Herzl's not religious enough, and yesterday he was a simulationist, and a whole litany of complaints. Or we can say, let's get involved, because let's rather make a difference from within the tent than complain from without. And by simply getting involved and partnering with him and bringing the Merkaz Ruhani, the spirit of Torah, to this endeavor, Amazing things have happened, but Nachum, there's so much that still needs to happen. And the voice of Torah in Israel and its impact in a loving and embracing way, there is still so much to do, and therefore we cannot be complacent. We need to come forward with the spirit of Merkaz Ruchani, the sense of Torah, Jewish and Zionist identity, bring it into the heart of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. And I think that is the call of the hour, and this unity between spirit and between the physical, between the material and the ephemeral, all these values of body and soul of the, the national collective and the spiritual heart, I think that's the essence of what Judaism is all about. And this is our great opportunity to make our difference. Harav Daron Peretz, he is chief executive of World Mizrahi. Uh, it's a very important period of time between now and March 11th, and we will be reminding you on a daily basis why it's so important. Make sure to hop aboard, everybody. Vote Torah. Information about everything we've discussed this morning is on the website, mizrahi.org slash OIC. Mizrahi.org slash OIC. Yehuda Friedman is campaign manager. I'm assuming you will be in touch with us both in terms of spokespeople who will be joining us and any instructions that need to be given to this audience and beyond uh, regarding the upcoming election. Absolutely. So uh, um, before the election starts, people could actually go to voteoic.org to learn more information, right. to sign up, uh, and, um, and also become an ambassador. You know, we'd love to have you on board as well. Is that something that you just go to the website and literally? We can, we know, we, uh, the, you know, the answer is uh, is yes. Okay. You know, we'll be able to sign people up, um, and also they could email us at uh, info at voteoic.org. Um, and um, we're very and, and we're very excited to uh, to you know, to grow, to, uh, to actually grow our ambassador list. So I was uh, uh, suggesting becoming an ambassador in an informal manner. People could actually become an ambassador in a formal manner. Yeah. 
by applying and signing up online. Uh, Mizrahi.org slash OIC, or is there a different or address? VoteOIC.org. 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 My thanks to Yehuda Friedman for being here, and we will be in touch as this election process continues. And Rav Daron, one last vision. One last vision. Uh, with the future. You've, now you've gotten me focused <laughs> on the future. You've taken me out of my element. Usually I'm day-to-day, Rav Daron. I'm usually day-to-day. But you've now gotten me out of my element, and now I'm thinking of the future. Let's make a commitment to each other. Let's make a commitment that in May of 2048, we celebrate together the 100th anniversary of the Medina in Eretz Israel, in Medina Israel. Amen. Halavai Hashem should give us all koach to be present there and for the state of Israel to continue to grow, to continue to serve the Jewish people, and to continue to fulfill the enormous potential it has to be this chazon and avim, the fulfillment of everything good. Be enlightened to the nations, and may we be there drinking a lechaim in Yerushalayim with all of Klal Yisrael and good health and happiness. Bezrat Hashem. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. You've now learned your lesson. If you walk in here, <laughs> it'll be a long time before you leave. Uh, but I hope that won't discourage you from <laughs> visiting us again. And Rav Darod, of course, will visit us via telephone between now and the 11th of March. More coming up. Remember, this video is available forever. Facebook.com slash Nachum Single Network. Facebook.com slash Nahum Single Network. My thanks to Yoni Pollock, our videographer of the morning, as we continue on a Wednesday at JM in the AM.